0: Just a few miles outside of downtown St. Louis, you'll find Worldwide Technology Raceway where we have a fantastic crowd on hand and a great atmosphere for some Saturday night
1: IndyCar racing. Under the lights here at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Drink,
2: He's, He's on your corner inside. Here comes
1: Colton Herta with a big move down the inside. Pressure from Herta. Oh, but Herta has to check up. Power leaves him a little bit of air and a little bit of room down low. Now power up in the groove, but Colton Herta is on the
2: charge. Big move, slices down to the inside. Low. He's there now, and he takes the spot. Wow. Go clear. Let's move it at the back. Oh! Ed Jones and Graham Ray Hall into the wall.
1: What the got Ray Hall. We got he blocked me bad, and I broke early into one to give him a lot of space. Yeah, I ran out of talent. I don't know what else to say. Bring, bring, bring. Look 30. at Paginot, the bright yellow car. Going for the inside on his teammate. Oh, oh the there he had the oh. They always make contact front wing. Unbelievable. Guys, turn on me. Turn on me. Clean restart, and they
2: are racing. Ooh, car hard the wall. Looks like Ed
1: Carpenter. Race on pit road. It's going to be Joseph Newgard, Will Power, and Colton Erna. I'm working. How's oh, slick, How's oh, that thing? Here comes Pedro Award! Oh! the
2: oh. really yeah. out! BK out! Dixon in, this in this the wall! This is huge! How did we get hit there? F***ing me. Whoa, is that, man? You saw how mad Pelo was there. Joseph, you got him! Brings the field to green! Roshan looking strong and challenged Tony Kanata to turn
1: three. You're all the only one to think out, man. You're big you're doing great. Side by oh. side. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Keep digging. Let's go. Here comes Roman Grosjean. One back. He's looking inside his side. Big wiggle out of turn two, but he keeps his foot in throttle. Here we go. go.
2: Inside move by Colton Herda for the lead of the race. Tire failure. Uh, One of the rears Uh, up instantly. Drive shaft just went out on Colton's car. Hit
1: the wall. Look, Rossi. Hit the wall. On the outlap. So sorry, guys. I don't know what happened. Green Green. Joseph Dugart with an erratic move to the bottom of the racetrack, but he holds on to the turn of the one. And the two-time winner here at Worldwide Technology Raceway is now a three-time winner. Good job, fellas. Great drive there, Joseph. Nice work. Good job the pit. You guys did excellent. You're real proud of that one.
2: And welcome to episode number 12 of the Push to Pass podcast. As always, I am Derek Vance. Welcome, race fans. Welcome back to another action-packed episode for sure. As you were just uh, seeing there in our open, uh, if you remember correctly, that was last year, 2021, the Bomberito uh, Automotive Group uh, 500 there in uh, St. Louis or Worldwide Technologies Raceway. That is where the NTT IndyCar Series uh, will be this weekend, and that is the race, as I mentioned, the Bomberito Automotive Group 500. That is what we will be previewing in tonight's episode. Uh, Along with uh, previewing that race, I also have uh, two uh, amazing guests uh, joining us uh, first uh, here in about uh, 15 minutes or so. uh, Christopher DeHardy. Uh, the assistant editor of uh, uh, com, a nice racing outlet there. Uh, he is going uh, to join us to have a little bit of a conversation uh, talking about uh, his background, uh, how he got into racing journalism, uh, the uh, NTT IndyCar series, and then also uh, previewing uh the Bomberito automotive group 500 this weekend as well and then also uh, towards the back end of the show uh, as always um our 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 guest there um uh, fantasy uh aficionado of sorts in bets uh mike from burnout sports and burnout bets uh check him out on both of those uh we'll be uh, discussing and previewing uh, obviously Uh, This weekend's uh, race there in uh, St. Louis. And then we'll also talk to him as well about uh, uh, a couple weeks ago there in Nashville. See how uh, he did. uh, If he was able to uh, place any bets on the winner, uh, Scott Dixon, for that. But uh, before we get into any of that, like I said, it is um, this week the Bomarito Automotive Group 500. And this is our preview. So let's, uh, let's get into that. Like I said, uh, this weekend, the NTT IndyCar Series is in uh, Madison, Illinois, right outside of St. Louis, a uh, worldwide technology raceway, again, for the Bomarito Automotive Group 500, uh, presented by Valvoline and Exalta. After a crash-filled uh, race through the streets of Nashville, the NTT IndyCar Series is in the home stretch of the 2022 season with a stop in Madison, Illinois, uh, like I said, right outside of St. Louis for the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 at Worldwide Technology Raceway. Uh, It is uh, Friday and Saturday, August 19th and 20th. If you are unfamiliar with the Worldwide Technology Raceway track, uh, it is a 1.25 mile oval. Uh, The the race rather will be 260 laps, uh, 325 miles. Uh, the entry list uh, goes like this for this week. Uh, you have uh, Joseph Newgarden, Scott McLaughlin, Dalton Kellett, Pato Award, uh, Elio Castroneves, uh, Felix Rosenquist, Marcus Erickson, Scott Dixon, Ale- Alex Pillow, uh Will Power, Kyle Kirkwood, Graham Rahal. Uh, interesting news coming from... Uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan racing uh, this week. We'll get into that. Uh, rookie David Malukas, Connor Daly, Renus VK, uh, Colton Herda, Alexander Rossi, uh, Roman Grosjean, Delvin D. Francesca, uh, Christian Lungard, uh, News on him. We'll get into this week as well. Uh, Ed Carpenter. Uh, last time we seen uh, Ed was on the uh, Oval there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, Ed Carpenter will be racing this weekend as well. Uh, Jack Harvey, Jimmy Johnson, Takuma Sato, Simon Pagino, and rookie Callum Eilat round out your entry list. Uh, Before we get into any more of our preview, uh, let's listen to what the drivers uh, have to say uh, with the race coming up this weekend right outside St. Louis in the Bomarito Automotive Group 5.0.
3: Hey everyone, Elio Castroneves here, and let me tell you about Gateway. Wow, I remember my first race uh, uh, in 1999. I was actually finished second, uh, and I lost to Michael Andretti. Yeah, that was a cool race, by the way. And uh, love that place, that place is fantastic.
0: It's fun, it's difficult, and I can't wait for everyone uh, coming next weekend.
3: So we're gonna have a great time. So can't wait to go back after so many years. Four years! Woo! <laughs> See you guys there. All right, so Saint Louis coming up, Gateway. Uh, really excited about the race. It's uh, three races to go now. So it's getting getting closer on the end of the season. For us in the number eight car, we have the Bryant car this weekend, and that brings back a lot of good memories. Obviously, that car we won in uh, last year in Nashville. So. Uh, we're looking to go two for two and win this weekend at, uh, at Gateway. Uh, it's going to be a fun weekend. It's always a good crowd. Uh, looking forward to that. And uh, Saturday afternoon, evening race is also always very cool. So uh, excited, uh, looking forward to bounce back after two, uh, you know, worst weekends for us results-wise. So a lot at stake now and uh, we're all very focused and determined to have a good one this weekend and a big result.
1: St. Louis, uh, looking forward to it. You know, I think it's definitely
0: becoming a, a very tight and very interesting championship. Um, maybe one of
1: one of the best of, of recent years. Uh, so yeah, it's it was definitely a difficult race for us last year. Uh, I think Alex and myself actually got caught up in the same accident. Uh, we were able to get back out and repair the car, but you know we were we were uh, many many laps down. So hopefully a much cleaner weekend for us, and and uh, especially. Uh, for all three of us fighting for the championship right now, and, and uh, we'll be we'll be doing our best to try and make sure that um, you know we're still in the hunt with two races to go after St. Louis. It's it's uh, it's definitely getting it's pretty spicy, and pretty exciting. So uh, this is what this team's uh, made for, and hopefully one of us three can uh, bring that trophy and keep it back at home. All right, St. Louis this weekend excited to build on the uh, the great performance and effort we all put into to iowa Um, i feel like you know hopefully i can improve from there have a shot at the podium if not better Uh, it's been a lot of years since i have been to uh, the racetrack in st louis i would say probably late 90s i was my last race there i think i have only raced there once in a bush gray national division uh, race and then i have been there a couple times in the cup car testing but again, it's it's been quite some time. So excited to get back to the area,
3: excited to see the fans, and really excited to be back on an oval again like Carvana Honda. All right, last three races of the season. Um, Nashville was, was good. We got a podium there. Um, it was a survival race, as you guys saw, and we made it to the podium. Scott won the race, so it was a big day for the team and we um, we got some points back for the championship. Um, we're P5 and less than 35 points to the lead. So yeah, three races, we need to push. We need to try and do the best we can to get this championship home. Um, and yeah, super excited for Gateway Night Race. Um, I think it's a great event with fans and, and the IndyCar racing itself. Yeah, uh, last year was quite good for us, uh, we had some speed, we couldn't finish the race, but uh, yeah, I think it's a good place for us and hopefully we can get those points back. So yeah, we'll see you guys uh, on social media during the weekend.
2: A Huge thank you to uh, those drivers there for uh, taking a little bit of time uh, out of their busy schedule, obviously, to uh, give us a little bit of insight and a little bit of preview uh, as to what uh, they're looking forward to uh, here at the uh, uh, Bar Merido Automotive Group 500. Uh, Getting back into uh, this uh, this preview here before we're joined by our first guest, Um, as for tires this week, uh, all teams are going to have nine sets of uh, Firestone Firehawk tires, uh, obviously to use throughout the weekend. Uh, if you are you want to follow this on social media, uh, the Worldwide Technology Raceway. You can find that on Twitter at WWT Raceway. Uh, obviously, you can find IndyCar on uh, Twitter at IndyCar, all one word. And then uh, if you want to hashtag uh, this weekend, uh, hashtag bomberito Five Hundred, and then hashtag IndyCar. Uh, looking back to 2021, uh, the obvious uh, the race winner there was uh, Joseph Newgarden in the number two uh, Senso Team Pinsky Chevrolet. Uh, winning the poll uh, was a fellow teammate uh, there, uh, Will Power in the number twelve uh, Verizon Team Pinsky Chevrolet with a time of 49 seconds or 49.82 seconds, and he checked in at 180. Point six one eight miles per hour. Uh, if you're if you're wondering what the record qualifying lap is there in St. Louis, uh, it was again uh, Will Power back on August twenty fifth of two thousand seventeen uh, with a lap of twenty three point seven two six zero seconds, and he checked in at one hundred and ninety eight point seven zero nine miles per hour. Uh, Looking at the on-track schedule uh, this weekend, obviously things kick off on Friday with uh, the uh, first IndyCar practice uh, from noon to 1 p.m. And then from 345 to 445 p.m., it is the uh, Bomarito Automotive Group 500 NTT P1 award qualifying. This will be single car qualifying consisting of Two laps, and then from uh, six to six thirty p.m. again on Friday, it is the NTT IndyCar Series final practice. And just a reminder: uh, this is a special uh, volunteer Highline session among nine different cars. Uh, each entry receives an extra set of Firestone. Firehawk Tires for that session only. And then uh, combined from 6.45 to 7.45 p.m., the NTT IndyCar Series will wrap up their final practice. And then we'll move to Saturday, August 20th uh, at around uh, 5.25 p.m. Again, these are all local times there in Illinois. It is the NTT IndyCar Series Bomarito Automotive Group 500. Uh, Presented by Valvoline, that'll be when the drivers get the command to start engines. And then at 530, we will see the drop of of the green flag, uh, 260 lap, Bomarito Automotive Group five. Hundred. Uh, we'll get back to some of the uh, track notes, and then obviously we'll look into the uh, fantasy side of things when we when we get back. But we are now being joined by our first guest uh, of the show. Let me bring this uh, fine, upstanding <coughs> gentleman in. Uh, had the opportunity, pleasure, and honor uh, to uh, meet this individual uh, just a couple weeks ago in Nashville. Uh, been following uh, his work uh, for a while. I know he doesn't know that, but I guess he does now. Uh, but uh, Christopher DeHarty is uh, joining us here. Uh, Chris, first and foremost, a uh, huge thank you for carving a little bit of time out of your busy schedule. Uh, I know uh, this weekend uh, a lot of racing uh, going on in your world. Uh, but uh, thank you for uh, being able to uh, stop by here on the Push to Pass podcast. How are you doing, sir?
1: Oh, I can't really see my background. I'll make sure you can be able to hear me. I don't even know if anything's going out. Um, Can you still hear me? You are five by five. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Um, (laughs) It's been a long, what, three, four, five weeks now. I'm looking at the calendar and uh, fancy saying upstanding. I'm sitting down right now. uh, Just having a little bit of fun. Um, Let's see. One, two, three, four. This will be the sixth weekend in a row coming up on the road, and I can't wait to be home next weekend. It's, it's been crazy. Um, I'm leaving for Gateway in about 10 hours or so, and I'm looking forward to being uh, back at Worldwide Technology Raceway again. <laughs> but it's it's going to be a good weekend, I think.
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Um, as we, uh, you know, get into the final stretch here with about uh, three or so races to go, uh, you know, there's about uh, ten drivers I think that are still mathematically um, eligible or uh, in position uh, to uh, to wrap up this championship. I think some have a, a better chance uh, than others, and I think we can, you know, we can expand a little bit on that as this uh, unfolds. Uh, but for people that are uh, unfamiliar uh, with you unlike myself. And I always say, you know, heaven forbid that they don't, uh, you know, follow you on Twitter already. Um, But, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well,
1: so I'm originally from right side, New Orleans. Um, I moved to Indianapolis back in 2017 to further pursue motorsports writing as a career, really motorsports content creation as a whole. Um, And I started writing about the sport back in 2014. Um, I'm an LSU graduate from 2012, um, and I've done IndyCar stuff. I've covered World of Championship, IMSA, some NASCAR, um, USAC, World of Outlaws. In fact, I was just at Knoxville this past weekend. That was a blast. Um, and just a bunch of different things here and there. Um, and yeah being in indianapolis it's it's great for being having the ability to get to and from different tracks but man i really 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 hated learning how to drive on snow it was uh <laughs> it was it was an adventure putting it mildly um <clears throat> but once i got accustomed to the cold it wasn't that terrible but yeah drive, learning to drive on snow that was a handful um but yeah, that's where my background is um i I've been in every race so far, IndyCar race so far this year, and it's it's been an interesting season. But yeah, that's pretty much uh, it for you know background. Unless you wanted to expand a little bit more on that.
2: Yeah, you know, growing up in in the Midwest in uh, in Northwest Ohio, and then moving to uh, Indianapolis as well. I already had an idea, uh, you know, what it was like. Um, you know, driving in snow, I can't imagine, uh, you know, Louisiana uh, getting as, as much snow as, uh, you know, as, as Indiana does. So that was probably quite a, um, uh, quite a culture shock, uh, for you. Um, Big but time. what got, yeah, what, uh, what got you into and what got you interested in this, uh, you know, profession of, of journalism specifically, uh, when it comes to all of the, the motorsports that you cover?
1: So, um, My dad's an engineer, my grandfather and great-grandfather were mechanics, and I originally went to college for engineering. I wanted to be um, an engineer. Back in high school, um, I was really big in Formula One. That was still when the split was going on, and then in the spring of my, yeah, spring semester of my freshman year in college, which was spring of 08, then- That was when IndyCar, uh, our, you know, went on to speedtv.com, as everybody did back then, and you know, I saw this article from Robin, Robin Miller saying, what, you know, IndyCar reunification might be at hand. And then, like, my eyes just got as big as saucer plates because, you know, here we have a sport that, for the last twelve years, has been, for lack of a better term, you know, fighting with itself. And you know, we saw so many, you know, bad things happen that all of a sudden, you know, good things might be taking place here. And so I got really interested in trying to figure out what was happening in IndyCar racing at that point. Um, And that was kind of the first thing that told me what the power of the written word was. And then, you know, I was trying to be an engineer. I wanted to do engineering stuff. And then for lack of a better term, that's what got me to fall back in love with IndyCar, I guess, um, was having everything finally come back together. Then I was scholastically dropped from the university. That's a nice way of saying I flunked out. So that's one thing Robin Miller and I do have in common. And <clears throat> one of the things that I, engineering just did not work for me. It just didn't. Um, and then, you yeah, know, I was looking through courses to, take, to try and get my GPA back up. And I saw this one that said intro to mass media. And for the first time in over a year and a half, I actually look forward to going to class every day. And I actually wrote that sentence in my entrance essay to get into the mass communications college. Like I, I even said, you know, read that last sentence again, so so that they knew what what that class meant to me. And then I realized, you know, if I can't work on the cars, I wonder if I could write about them. And it turns out I like doing that a lot. So <clears throat> that's what got me interested in doing that. And then I you know, also wanted to keep people up to date on what's going on. And then this is just uh, this was something that might make me a little bit different than what most other people is. I want to try and show people that motorsports really is for everyone. Um, There was a driver in one of the road to Indy series that was really, really old. And he said, the car doesn't know how old I am. And that hit a light bulb in my head. The car doesn't know who you are. It doesn't know your background. It doesn't know, you know, your life experiences. The car is neutral to you, which is one thing that makes motorsports really unique. And I love highlighting that uh, for a lot of people and showing people just how different motorsports is compared to any other stick and ball sport the access that you get in motorsports is unlike any other sport out there and I like showing people that and especially showing new people that are coming to the track for the very first time I like showing them what makes motorsports different than other sports so that is one way that I'd like to do that with my writing um and yeah I mean yeah there are good things and bad things that take place that weren't and motorsports isn't immune to that. But I think that, you know, that's, that's what I got into it for is I want to show people what's going on and um, all that. So yeah, that's, that's really how I got into it uh, is through that Avenue.
2: You know, you, you bring up some very interesting points and one of them um, is, is one of them I'm going to strongly agree with you is uh, you know, there is such a difference when you talk about, uh, you know, bringing people in uh to racing and um that that's the way that i am i I think indycar deserves to have so many more eyeballs uh than than what they uh, than what they have and i love that they're expanding their brand doing different things in that but the 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 possibilities especially for for indycar and the amount of fans and the amount of people that could start following indycar uh is uh, i don't think it is you can measure
1: absolutely um Some forms of motorsport are better at access than others. Um, Indy cars on the good side of that, as is IMSO. Um, although I think the best might be NHRA. Uh, I did the U.S. Nationals last year in 2021, and that I can tell you right now, it was a, it was mind blowing just how open everything was, and it was it was really really neat. Um, of course, like I'm walking, you know, through the, um, all the setup area, all the tents are and everything and they're open and they're, you know, warming up one of the top fuel engines and just the smell of the nitro and just when it hits your eyes and they water, I'm just like, oh my God, like this is just unbelievable. And I mean, NASCAR isn't at that point, like it isn't there with that, like their garage access is extremely limited, but yeah, like I, I, I just saw that at the uh, IndyCar NASCAR doubleheader weekend at the Brickyard, just with how much, um, you know, was camped up outside of Gasoline Alley. Um, but yeah, accessibility is huge for IndyCar, and I'm glad to see that that's the case. Um, I know, I, I'm not sure how the case is at every IMSA race, but I know at most of the IMSA races, a ticket is actually a paddock pass as well. And I think that that would be a welcome change for IndyCar, but I know that that's probably not going to happen. But I could tell you right now, seeing all the little kids, like seeing all the Corvettes and the Porsches and stuff like that is really, really great to see. And that's another thing, too, is that bringing more kids to the sport is of paramount importance to families and having it be affordable for them, too.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's interesting um, that you talk about uh, the amount of children under the age of 18, you know, under the age of 15, uh, going to racing events, specifically IndyCar, uh, because I was walking around a couple weeks ago, obviously, when we were in Nashville and, and I got an interview with a, a, a father and son. And that was the first time they've ever been to an IndyCar race. And um, they were blown away with, you know, the accessibility, like you said. Uh, but the one thing that sticks out to me this interview the dad mentioned that he seen walking around was the smile on his son's face, just for how show you know showing how much fun he was having. And I told him, I said, "That's you know." I told the kid, I said, "That that's parenting one hundred and one. As long as you know your kid's walking around with a smile on your face, then you as a father or a parent are happy
1: as well because your kid is happy." Absolutely. And what's <clears throat> what's what's interesting about Nashville, though, and I know this isn't something that the necessarily the People running the organ, the race can pr- really control. But in terms of the like the setup area and everything like that, Nashville's really odd in that like just it's the paddock is set up so differently compared to like a racetrack like Road America or at Mid Ohio or especially Barber. Oh my, Barber is like the best when it comes to like paddock setup because it's like a um, a terraced la- uh, system. Where it's like the IndyCar Assist series is on the very bottom rung, closest to the track. So it was like Indy indie Lights, and then you move up, and then it's some of the junior categories, and then you move up again. It's the some more junior categories, but like you're you're just you're right there next to the track and next to everything. Where like with Nashville, it's kind of like you, you're going over bridges and you're trying to maneuver here and there, and it's it's not uh for lack of a better term not very intuitive to get there but like with indy with road america it's in the middle of everything um but that's that's one thing that i've always struggled with is just how do we get more younger people to these races it's just probably a promotional thing but i look at uh, if i go to a usac race like the majority of the people there um you know over the age of 40 over the age of 50 and there are some cases where you see the you know fathers and mothers with their kids and things like that. But it it's up to the series to show younger people that this is a cool thing to go to, because if I want, I'm not sure if you were looking at this, I wasn't looking at it either, but I am going to be paying attention to this at gateway is how many groups of young people are there without adult supervision. And I say adult supervision, I'm talking about people much older than even myself. I'm in my early thirties, but like, that's a weird thing adult supervision oh no i'm the adult ah anyway um you laughed at it that means we're good right uh anyway (laughs) but how many more groups of younger people are we going to see at you know more races where there's not that older person there with them like the adult for lack of a better term the adultier adult with them um I am going to be looking at that at Gateway big time um, and also Portland too, because Portland is a younger city. I've, I've judged when I've been there. Well, let see. I went there in 2018. Yeah. I went there in 2019 and 2018. Um, in my estimation, it's a younger city. and I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, if that situ- case also holds true that there is, you know, a larger percentage of younger people there without the older group with them because, you know, let's face it we need to f- focus more on getting a younger demographic attracted to the sport because they are the f- for the you know they are the future as, as it's always been told to us growing up so you
2: know. yeah yeah you're absolutely right and, and I think you know you, you talk about Portland being a a younger city um I, I think you could probably consider that you know Nashville in that uh, in that same uh in that same vein uh, but you talk about the access you have in Nashville and I think you're absolutely right uh the first two years it has been, uh, and this is going to be a, a term that I kind of coined wonky um, the way they've, <laughs> they've set this up. Hope, you know, hopefully a, as the years go on and that race becomes more and more successful, uh, the, the the promoters there can figure out a way to make it more accessible, especially in the media. But I will, you know, you know, I can criticize them, but I will give them credit too as well. Um, I do like the fact that all of the uh, golf carts that were available to yes. uh, get uh, all the media to and fro. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, that was one uh, one thing uh, that I noticed uh, from uh, year one to year two that I thought uh, Nashville did real well. And, and one thing I, I, I want to have you pay attention to, if you're able to, uh, what the media bullpen looks like tomorrow because uh, that was kind of the uh, <laughs> something going around on Friday from one in particular. Uh,
1: that, I'm not um, going to be there for the media bullpen. Oh, that's actually. right. All right. It's, it's, well, it's at eight. morning and at that that. time i'm actually going to be on the road my girlfriend and i are going to be going to this race together and so i'm not sure if i'm going to be driving or she's going to be driving we've got we got time to figure that out but it's we're going to be leaving here we're going to be grabbing breakfast at our favorite breakfast place and then we're going to be driving down Uh, we're going to make it probably around 30 to 45 minutes before practice but with it being that early if i was going to make it in time for that I would have to leave Indy around five in the morning, which I can't. And not only that, and not only that, and this is, I know this is going to sound so, so, so bad. Knoxville completely messed up my sleep schedule. There were two or three times. In fact, almost every night since I've been back from Knoxville, I've gone to bed at three or four in the morning because I just cannot get my brain to shut off. Um, And that's, And I'm not saying that's bad about Knoxville. If anyone has the opportunity to go to the Knoxville Nationals, do so. I cannot say enough good things about that racetrack, about that race, and about that event as a whole. Um, It's amazing. It it truly is amazing. And I'm so glad that there was a break in the IndyCar schedule that allowed me to do it. But, oh, my God, my sleep schedule got so messed up. But, yeah, I'm not going to be able to be at the media bullpen because of just the way timing works out with that.
2: Well, well we, we both know the only two people that are going to be up at 8 a.m. to attend that is probably uh, Jenna Fryer and Bruce Martin
1: anyway. So, I mean, you know. Oh, Nathan's going to be there. Nathan's going to be yeah, there.
2: Yeah, you're right. Nathan will be there as well. But, you know, speaking of, um, you know, IndyCar this year, what a roller coaster of a ride. I think anyone that's been following uh, in the media or even as a fan um, has seen. You know, we're, we're in the home stretch here and, uh, you know, the points race. Um, the points championship has been back and forth uh, all year. Um, you know, what have you seen going into uh, to to the Bomarito Automotive Group 500 uh, this weekend, and then we'll we'll get to that as well.
1: So like, I've got the Wikipedia article up here, and it's so great to see because it's easy to follow the points with the way that the boxes and all are color coded. Um, <clears throat> just looking at Will Power's year so far, it's very much been feast or famine. Um, he's either finished in the top four or he's finished lower than out of the top 10, which under most years, it's, it can be a negative, but with the way that some other people have had bad years or bad races, it's worked out well for him where he's got the lead right now. And he's got, he's leading Scott Dixon by six points, which Dixon in the early part of the year May not have had the most Scott Dixon like of years, but with two wins in the last five races, he's turned it around big time. And it, we may just very well see uh, Scott Dixon do Scott Dixon things later on this year. Um, he, yeah. <clears throat> he's he got six titles already. Uh, he If he gets a seventh, he'll tie A.J. Foyt. And then you look, you know, six more points behind Dixon. and You have Marcus Erickson in fourth in third place in place I was about to say 14th that's where he finished in Nashville but like Marcus told me at St. Petersburg this year that the number one thing that he needed to work on for points was ovals he lost a lot of points on ovals last year finished sixth in the championship but when you look at the ovals this year for Marcus third at Texas he won the Indy 500, eighth and sixth at Iowa you know that's that's a lot of points that he's gained, you know, compared to where he finished on ovals, you know, in the championship last season where, you know, let's let's look at his results from last year. You know, last year he was, you know, 19th and 12th at Texas, 11th at Indy. That's a lot of points that he's lost right there on the outset. Then you move forward to Gateway. He finished ninth over there at Gateway. That's, you know, lower end of the top ten. So you've got an improvement there, third first eight six four top ten finishes two of those on the podium and you even look at texas no i i hate being this negative about marcus erickson but he was he had probably the most anonymous third place finish at that race of any race on the calendar look at the post-race press conference you had uh, uh, joseph newgarden who won the race in the last corner who passed scott mclaughlin his teammate who led 200 plus laps of that race, and then in sixth place, you had Jimmy Johnson for his first IndyCar top ten. He ran as high as fifth in the last ten laps of the race, and then you had Marcus erickson who was in third. And it was anonymous. There was there was no real fanfare about it, which maybe he liked it that way because you know if they don't look in your way, they're not going to expect you to you know win. And then, you know, he wins Indy 500 like that. And now he's third in points like that. So then you look at Joseph. This is when he won this, the first race of Iowa. He was going to win the second race until he, they, I think they had the shock failure that took him out of that race. If he would have won that race, it would have been five races that he would have won. And he would have been in the points lead. And he's never won five races in a season. At least I don't think he has. I think the most he's ever won is four, but he's never won four this quickly either. Um, but I mentioned Feast or Famine. At the win at Road America, after he won that race, he had three wins, of fourth, and then four finishes of 13th or worse. No one has really stepped up and said, I want to win this championship because everything is so close up front. Um, and, yeah, Joseph's only 10 points behind Marcus. And then you got Alex Pelot, which, you know, someone needs to give me a drink because this is this whole contract situation's got me wanting to do that um who knows what's going to happen with that next year and then you got mclaughlin in sixth Uh, i'm not gonna go much further than mclaughlin except to say that you know he's got two wins he could have had a third in nashville he had the best car in my opinion pato one point behind him with two wins but he's got three retirements this year which road america was mechanical so was mid-ohio and then nashville was mechanical but that was result of contact it's been a it's been a very much an up and down year and you never really know you know what's going to even take place um and of course we dropped down through the stains a little bit further the rookie battle christian lungard leading it i thought it was going to be a fight between kyle kirkwood and you know david and Maybe Malugas or Ila, but Lungard has stone has shown steady improvement. So, yeah, uh, it, it's been a top two a year so far. And Gateway, with how much fun that track is, we're going to see an even wilder race on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I, I think your your all your points are absolutely uh, excellent. You know, going into the year, you know, we all thought that you know Dixon is going to be the one, obviously, as he has for many years. Um, be the head of the class when it comes to uh, Chip Ganassi Racing, but for the majority of the year, it wasn't it wasn't Scott Dixon. He's he has kicked it on in the second half of the year, as you said. Uh, you know Scott Dixon doing uh, Scott Dixon things. Uh, you know Marcus Erickson has really been the uh, the head of uh, of Chip Ganassi Racing for the whole year. But as you said, no one's been talking about him. This has to be one of the quietest. Seasons for an Indy 500 winner uh, ever and, and you see, you know, Marcus Erickson just sits a handful of points uh, out of the race with uh, with three to go. You see the improvement he's made. um But as, as a team, you want to talk about improvement. uh It has to be Team pinsky I know they didn't win on their home track, obviously, at, at Indy this year. I get that. But they go from three wins last year to double it to six this year. What a what a vast improvement there.
1: I don't know if – well, Penske's always been really close, and that's the thing about – I hate saying improvement because they always should be on top, but when we look at last year, there were so many cases last year where Penske's team should have won a race, but they had just crazy stuff happen that they didn't win. Like you look at Barber, uh, power was second to Polo by just a couple seconds at most. Um, what was it? Um, well, Indy, well, Texas, uh, New didn't win Texas. Well, um,
2: let's not, let's not forget about Detroit where power stalls I, out. I was going to that. Yeah. First
1: win. Yes. Well, going through, um, just going through that. Um, You know Detroit with with, God, I've never. I don't think I can't remember the last time Will Power was ever that angry. But then the second race at Detroit, Newgarden was leading late, but he was on the wrong tire, and Pato Award got by him with like two to go to win that race. And then Newgarden at Road America, where he had that uh, gearbox uh, issue on the restart with two to go, he finally wins at Mid Ohio with Erickson closing in on him, and that was. Even then, you talk about we talk about luck. There was an engine uh, issue that um, Newgarden had at that race, and they had a, the crew actually changed the engine out for him, and that's what got him that win was that brand-new engine. But, yeah, there were just so many races that just dumb stuff happened that prevented the team from winning. And it's a shame, too, because, you know, that, that whole title race would have looked pretty different, I think. But I – like I said, I, just, I hate using the word improvement with Team Penske because it's not that they were bad last year. It's just the dumbest stuff happened that whether if it was finger trouble with the ECU, which is what I think power said is what it was at Detroit, or was it just a random gearbox thing that could have happened to anybody? It was just, freaky stuff really is that that's why I, I I can't use the term improvement with them it's just you could say elevation in form maybe but they've always been there it's just there's it's just they're they're 90 percentages the last 10 percent is just having everything just fall the right way um but if we if you do want to talk improvement and you do want to talk team Penske Scott McLaughlin's the guy uh right now he's got two wins in two seconds Just the one retirement at the Indy 500 uh, with the accident in turn three. Um, And yeah, of course, both those second places could very easily uh, have been wins. And had those second places have, were were, those second places would have been wins, he would have won the million dollar people ready challenge and not Newgarden. So yeah, uh, if you want to stick improvement, it's Scott McLaughlin 110%. yeah, I know people could talk about Marcus Ericsson, this and that, but Ericsson was six on the points last year. McLaughlin was further down in the standings. So yeah, my most improved would have to be Scott McLaughlin in that case. But your point is taken, is noted, definitely, that there is, you could say, yeah, improvement with you know no wins to you know more wins, but like I said, it's just stupid stuff that happens that is really outside of their control at the time.
2: You know very very valid point and it does give me you know a little bit uh, you know different perspective there thinking about just the you know mechanical failures and and, and racing bad luck uh that uh, Pinsky had one year ago that it seems like that that may uh that may be in the rear view window uh, as we come down with uh you know three races to go and all three of their drivers are within uh, striking distance uh we do have Chris obviously a, a race this weekend where you're going to be headed to uh you know tomorrow afternoon uh you know give Fans, a little bit uh, of your take as to what you're going to be looking for and what they need to be looking for uh, this weekend uh, right there, Madison, Illinois, right outside St. Louis.
1: Madison, Illinois. Ooh, what a fun place. So um, Penske, there, this race has been run six times since the series returned to Gateway um, in 2017. I've six times. Um, two of those were the doubleheader in 2020. But Penske's won four times here in that six year in that six event period yeah six event period in a five-year span um I think what we need to look for is I know Newgarden's got a couple wins here he's got three wins here he's very very good on ovals and I think that if we're looking at a chance to rebound from what joseph might consider to be a disappointment in his hometown race in nashville gateway could very well be it um marcus erickson he i think he started pretty high up in this race a couple years ago for chip Ganassi racing he should do well here and will power you know one here in 2018 i think he's gonna have another good car here as well so the pensy guys are gonna look really strong here but I'm also looking at Jimmy Johnson because, you know, he got that sixth place at Texas. He got the fifth place at Iowa. And this track is like a shrunken down Darlington. I hate to – well, yeah, you could argue it's a shrunken down Darlington, even though the, you don't run at the top of the track like you do at Darlington. It's still a um, it's still a pretty good comparison in that it's one end is shorter than – or one end is a tighter radius than the other end is. Um, so I'm going to be also looking at you know how will tire fall off affect this race if you pit later, you're gonna you're running the risk of everybody overcutting you or running or yeah, running fast, running longer on newer tires to get past you. However, Takuma Sato pitted later than other drivers did in 2019 when he won. And with the majority of the field a lap down, it was a race between him, Ed Carpenter, and I think Tony Kanon, which that might have been a record for the oldest podium in IndyCar history at that point. <laughs> um, so I think strategy is going to be a massive of massive importance. If someone is in earlier on newer tires, how much will those newer tires help? Will you run faster? on newer tires with a heavier fuel load than you will with a lighter fuel load, but with older tires, if there's not that much fall off, you might see teams go longer on the, uh, on the stints to work it. And then again, if there's traffic, you know, we might see someone pit to get out of traffic. So it might be run like a road course race in that regard, but you know, we're going to have 260 laps to figure this whole deal out. So I'm looking forward to it. I think, uh, Gateway puts on a good show. And the probably the biggest thing though to know about remember about Gateway is their promotional staff is second to none. Between them and the high V staff that promoted Iowa, they both groups have set the gold standard, in my opinion, for promoting a race at a racetrack 110%. So that's what I'm gonna be looking for. I'm expecting a big crowd, I'm expecting a strong, happy crowd. And a good time overall.
2: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, especially when it comes to the branding, both by the uh, you know Bomarito Automotive Group and and Hyvee, and obviously uh, too. For people that don't know, uh, this is Indy's only. Uh, Night race, which uh, me and I think there's a bunch of other people, uh, Tony Donahue uh, included, that would love to see more uh, more night races on the uh, the IndyCar circuit uh, for sure. But uh, Chris, uh, again, first and foremost, huge thank you for uh, for joining us Uh, for people that uh, don't follow you again. Shame on them. Uh, Where can they find you at Where can They find your work at and where is your strong presence there in social media?
1: So Twitter is at C to Hardy, C D E H A R D E. I'm the assistant editor for tobychristie.com or an assistant editor, I should say um, that's where I have all of my um, IndyCar content and also other content as well. I do other races here and there. Like I said, I was just at Knoxville, my strongest presence. It's on Twitter um, between IndyCar updates during the race with radio communications to conversations about the New Orleans Saints to me posting Stephen A. Smith memes when someone says something <laughs> that I was wondering, like, what the heck is going on here?
2: <laughs>
1: How do you do that? How do you do that? What the hell is going on here? Um, I love Stephen A. Smith. Uh, hot take. He's one of the greatest media personalities in our current age. And whenever he retires, it will be a sad day for sports media. Um and yeah uh that's where you're gonna find me most of the time is on twitter um and hey if you see me at a racetrack stop say hi call me out i'll say hello um don't hesitate um i'm always down to uh to chat and bs about racing and just have a good time with it that's what we're here for just to you know do our jobs and have a good time with it if you're having a good time you're doing something wrong
2: absolutely and on a side note for everyone uh, if you want uh, one hell of a meme, uh, go find Chris because he uh, he puts them out on a daily basis. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, Chris, again, uh, huge thank you for uh, for joining us. Uh, definitely look forward to uh, your coverage this weekend, and I know uh, we'll uh, we'll cross paths down the road, and we'll talk again soon.
1: Definitely. And last thing I will say, you talk about memes. I actually have one today that I I'll share with the uh, with the with the listeners here. Um, there was someone on Twitter that said that the United States does not have a big karting uh, scene, a big karting background. So naturally, I replied to this person, tagged Rob Howden, who is the founder of e-karting news. is probably the um, the most well-versed person in motorsports media with the go-karting scene in this country. So naturally, I, t- I texted Rob after, you know, a half hour after that. And, you know, I, I texted him, that dude on Twitter, no real karting culture, me or rob and then i played a Stephen a smith clip where he went are we sure are we sure <laughs> i mean are we really sure and yeah rob texted back you know just laughing because it was it was clear that we do have a carding culture and but it's it may not be a very massive culture but there is definitely a a big culture of carding in motorsports and that's how you start off your career and yeah if, if you have another chance this is my final plea to all of your all the listeners That are hearing this go to your local go-karting facility and watch all the young kids drive especially whether it's super scusa or um, wka or whatever karting association that you find go to your local short track whether it's dirt asphalt quarter mile half mile whatever fraction of a mile it is and you know watch the drivers drive race buy the t-shirts because that money goes back to helping them you know, fix up their cars and, you know, get them running again on Saturday night, support those drivers and support those racers because they are the backbone of motorsports in this country. And without them, we don't have a sport to uh, write about. We don't have a sport to create content for, and we need them. So get out your local track and support them.
2: Yeah, Chris, uh, definitely uh, can't uh, can't agree more. Get out there and support uh, the youth or uh, as uh, my cousin Vinny would say, the youths um, of, <laughs> of this country. But uh, again, Chris, huge thank you for joining us. Uh, can't wait to see uh, your uh, your content this weekend.
1: Thanks. Take it easy. And uh, if you're not laughing, you're not living. Have a good one, y'all. Bye. Absolutely. Uh,
2: again, huge thank you for Chris for uh, stopping by. Go check his uh, content out and uh, check out his coverage of the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 this weekend. Don't want to waste any more of this gentleman's time uh, joining us as he always does here towards the uh, back half of the show. uh, Mike from not only burnout sports, but burnout bets as well. Uh, Mike, we're counting down the days till we uh, get to uh, meet you in, uh, in Nashville here, just uh, a little over 300, hopefully. Uh, But, uh, but how have you been? Oh, I'll
0: be in St. Pete. I'm in St. Pete every year. That's right in my backyard. You will find me there all three days. Uh, yeah, I'm glad I didn't make the trip to Nashville. It was wet, it was rainy, it was nasty. Uh, I would have missed my flight coming home. It would have been a bit of mess. So I was happy to watch that at home. Uh, unfortunately, uh got to watch my bank account go down or my bankroll, uh, betting bankroll go a little a little bit down. Polo, Polo was a savior uh at the end, getting that that top three. Um, so it wasn't too much of a bloodbath. But man, that race, yeah. I need to write down a don't bet Nashville or just go and have fun
2: <laughs> yeah actually you know what uh, you're speaking of uh, st petersburg first uh, that may be on the uh, calendar for uh, for 2023 it's not uh, not out of the question yet because i'm going to be in the orlando area i believe around that same time and it's only about an hour uh drive so don't uh, let's not count uh, st pete out but uh, but yeah nashville I, I think you you're absolutely right uh, wet uh, very unpredictable as, uh, you know, the, uh, everybody else in uh, media crashville is, is what it seems like the first two years. That's obviously what we got a couple weeks ago. And, uh, you know, uh, Scott Dixon was able to, um, you know, withstand, uh, all of the crashes that, uh, that took place there to, uh, pick up his 53rd victory, which, you know, don't look now, uh, AJ Foyt, but, uh, you may have some company, uh, coming in the not so distant future with Scott Dixon.
0: Yeah, yeah, Scott Dixon was a hot topic this week as far as championship odds and how to bet that, and uh, we could talk about that. But uh, I actually, uh, I, I don't, I'm not on the uh, like my, my my counterpart at and friend over at Burnout Bets, Burnout Sports, Tony Donahue. He's he's all about putting uh, Dixon to win the title, and uh, we just, in fact, we just got done doing a Twitter Spaces uh, about an hour or so or two hours ago, and. And we have a $10 bet, and uh, I gave him two to one odds. I think I got the best end of it. I got the field because uh, I think it's it's Joseph or, or Will uh, with maybe if you ask me, to put money on a, on an outright. Uh, Pato is six and a half to one right now to win the title, um, but but I've been on Joseph since he was at six to one, seven to one uh, a couple of weeks back, and that was with the idea he was going to win both Iowa races. Uh, he went one for two. You know, it kind of stings. He should have gone two for two. I don't know. We still don't know. I don't think we ever heard if something broke or he just, you know, blew it too low down the, blow the line. But, uh, but yeah, I still think it's his title. I think he's, he's our favorite. You know, if we, if we shift over to this week, you know, he's at Caesar Sports. He's a plus 220 favorite. Two to one favorite is very low uh, for an IndyCar favorite uh, in this series. That's so has a ton of parity. So you got the big boys up top. New Gardner, Power, Award, Herder are your top four guys in the odds boards going in this weekend.
2: You know, I, I can't disagree uh, with, with Tony, even though I do from time to time. Uh, I, I can't disagree with him because you know you, you think about one driver that has all the momentum right now, and who better than than Scott Dixon? He's right there within within striking distance. So it's going to be an interesting last uh, three weeks, especially for uh, for you and Tony putting a little uh, scratch in to uh, into the game. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, the uh, numbers uh, did come out uh, earlier today uh, on uh, on. Um, the, the betting sports books, anything uh, jump out at you right away?
0: Yeah, the numbers were, unfortunately, kind of, they were kind of short um, compared to last year uh, and the year before. Uh, they really did differentiate at the top, like I said. Uh, it's, uh, I'm looking at Caesars lines right now, and, and I do, you know, just PSA, shop around um, because if you do want to bet Joseph, and, and I do think that's an option this week. I do think it's kind of an Iowa situation, short old little track, um, you know, that would be your only bet, but DraftKings has them at three to one. Uh Caesars is at you know two two twenty plus two twenty, so just over two to one. Uh, that's a big difference when it comes to uh what, what's coming back to you. So shop around depending on where you want to bet. But uh Newgardner two plus two twenty, will power five to one, award five to one, herta eight to one, uh McLaughlin ten to one. Uh and then you know, it starts to get into a big jump, your double digits, Dixon's eighteen to one, Carpenter. Uh, last year he was 40 to one at this track. I remember betting him, uh, at 40 to one at this track, he's down all the way to 22 At 22. That's too short. Um, you know, Rossi 25 is a pretty big number for him. We've seen him in the low single digits. So, but honestly, you know, I think, uh, the winner, you know, if you're going to place an outright bet, um, for me, it's, it's, you got to kind of got to choose you're either going to arrive with Joseph and you're going to go find the best number you can, hopefully that three to one, uh, or you can probably grab, um two of will pato and colton um at those larger numbers um and still you know you can still put down the same amount of money and walk away with the same same profit level uh for those so i kind of lean right now I, I haven't not made any bets um as of yet um my lean is to pato and will i think pato it's kind of a little bit of a dark horse here um yeah i think he's got less to lose um and and i think he'll be a little more aggressive than maybe uh, New Garden and Power are going to be on this oval, kind of making sure they secure a top three. Um, but uh, so, so that's kind of the direction uh, I'm looking at right now. I'm going to wait and see what kind of practice comes out. I'll, I'll probably decide uh, to drop some money on either, like I said, either either pick two or, or go the Joseph direction. But uh, haven't made that call yet. There's still some sports books out there that haven't posted numbers, so we'll see what, if there's any different kind of lines. Because Power, I think I saw six to one at DraftKings, so that makes it even more enticing.
2: You know, Mike, we've we've been doing this for the majority of the season, and and I think every week we've had the same favorites, I I think. And obviously, you know, we don't share uh, our information as to who we like this week, who we're fading. Uh, But this week, my favorites, I like the whole Team Pinsky stable, and you just mentioned them with Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, and Scott McLaughlin. And my other favorite, because I only had two this week, was Pato Award. So it just seems like we are we are in connection, uh, you know, every race week. And obviously, as I said, we don't we're not sharing information. I just, you know, I, I find that interesting that we're thinking the same uh, when it comes to favorites. It seems like uh, uh, all year. Um, I know you talked about a dark horse being being Pato Award, but uh, further back in the field, is there anybody else that you would uh, you know just throw a little bit of money at? You know, maybe they'll surprise somebody and, and uh, finish high here.
0: Yeah, so the only guy, so you mentioned two guys, or you mentioned one of the guys is McLaughlin. So McLaughlin's sitting at 10 to 1. uh, But what I like with him is you can get plus money on a top five. Um, And I think that his, even a top three uh, is a pretty good bet for him. Uh, His top three, let me pull it up right now, is is plus 250, so two and a half to one. It's a pretty decent number for a Penske car coming in top three. Um, Obviously, you know, the books are thinking. Uh, that you know, award Power, and and, and Newgard are going to be those top three cars. But I think uh, McLaughlin can easily be up there. He's shown pace uh, at Iowa and some of the oval, uh, oval tracks this year, and he's obviously got the Penske and the Chevy power. Um, the other guy that kind of caught my eye that I might think about just a small little bet on for for some fun is BK. Uh, BK has got some good history. He's twenty-five to one. Um, Graham was a there's I've seen all types of different Graham Ray Hall numbers out there. He's fifty to one on Caesars um you know i think graham is a good uh short track oval racer you know just just looking back at a long-term history uh so he's somebody that uh that i may you know if i'm if i'm playing around i'm a graham fan i want to throw a little 51 i think is a good number uh for him to throw a couple bucks on and that's obviously a huge return but uh it's going to be more of a focus on the top of the board for me um and and like i said i do like mclaughlin kind of in that top three top five bets uh one bet that i was eyeing um it, it It's unfortunate because I had my eye on this and I tweeted it out. Uh, the manufacturer bet um, the sports books, a lot of them will put out Chevy versus Honda. Um, unfortunately, I, I was looking, you know, I was all over Chevy. I was just begging. I was just ready to hit the button to bet Chevy, uh, but Caesars put it out at minus two ten favorite, which is which is an astronomical number. so, you know, sometimes they slip, they don't pay attention to any car betting and, and uh, they, they put a bad number out there. Usually they just sometimes put that bet at minus 110 both ways. And I thought that would have been a huge advantage for Chevy. Uh, so if you do see other sports books or your sports books, you know, your local sports books, uh, sports betting is getting legalized, I think in like a new state every week. I saw Kansas is coming online. Um, and, uh, you know, there's different 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 books out there. Keep an eye out for that. If you see Chevy at anything minus 150 or lower, I think there's a ton of value there because I think, you know, the only car that really worries me is Herta. He did have a dominant car here last year, but even the drivers have said that the Chevys have more speed, uh, have a better short oval package and they've dominated these tracks. So um, that's, that's a way I'd be looking to to bet the race as well.
2: Uh, Last thing, uh, Mike, here before you let go, Uh, I know a lot of people are comparing um, gateway or uh, worldwide technologies raceway to, uh, to Iowa. Uh, in your research, do you are you know are you in agreement that uh, they, they you know they they mirror each other?
0: Yeah, I mean, and and you've heard from the drivers. You I mean, they they just say like the short oval package is the short oval package uh, for most of those cars, especially uh, your kind of your tier two, tier three, tier four teams. So um, yeah, I think it's pretty much that's why Joseph's your favorite. Uh, that's why they've got such great history here. That's why Penske's dominated. Um, you know, do you think one thing from a betting angle to look out for? uh in practice you know see there's this is kind of a weird oval ovals are usually you know road courses are where we're looking to further get the high qualifiers um and that's where we're looking to find value because usually the top qualifiers are the ones that are winning the races well this oval is a track where the top qualifiers usually win it's kind of kind of acts like a road course with the qualifying order so you see your winner usually come from the top three top five drivers Um, and i think a lot of that's because of this track's had some history it's just one lane uh, versus two lanes, not a lot of passing. So, you know, if you get up front, you got that one lane. A lot of guys aren't aren't willing to take that second lane, or that second lane just not available to them when the marbles get out there. If we hear from drivers that that's a thing, like they don't think they're going to be able to pass, they think the track's going to end up being a one-lane race, um, then I think you pounce on you know kind of grid position matchups, guys who are higher up in the grid, or we see what happens in qualifying, and that's where we look to put our money come uh, come Saturday evening. Um, as we're cracking our beard, getting ready to uh, bet the race and watch the race.
2: Yep. Good, uh, good stuff there. Uh, Mike, uh, can't wait to see what, what updates you're going to have, uh, obviously leading up to the uh, Saturday night race. And I'm sure uh, you and, uh, and Tony will have a uh, Twitter space uh, between uh, then and now uh, for people that uh, obviously had, uh, haven't been following you. And, and, again, as I say, always shame on them for that. Uh, where can they find you at on social media, the content you're putting out uh, right before the green flag drops on Saturday night?
0: Yeah. At any indie, indie underscore bet uh, on Twitter is where I'm at. And then uh burnout bets is where we tag everything through burnout bets at burnout bets is where we'll do the Twitter spaces. Uh We set out, you know, we'll send out a reminder once we figure out uh, Tony's going to be at the track. So we'll have to coordinate uh, when we do that before the, uh, before the race. And that's where, you know, we we will be looking for the matchup bets and we'll have uh, a new set of lines after qualifying. We'll have all the information from practice. Uh, he'll be on the ground there, hopefully getting some driver quotes. We can find out, you know, maybe we can attack some matchups and, uh, and that's where we'll, uh, I'll obviously tweet out the final card and everything I'm betting um, as it comes in and what's available at my sports book. Some are different, but yeah, follow us on Twitter and keep up, uh, join the spaces. You can listen to the recordings um, or uh, listen to the show too as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Go uh, go check out uh, Mike there at uh, all the uh, social media outlets uh this weekend for all updates and uh, you know, he'll you know, he's I think he's done a tremendous job winning scratch all year and I'm sure he'll keep it up uh for these last three races, no pressure for sure. Uh but uh, Mike again, huge thank you uh for for joining us. Uh you know, good luck this weekend and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk again in about a week or so. All right, man. good luck Let's run some money this week. Absolutely. Go check him out if you're looking to, uh, you know, put some scratch in on uh, on IndyCar uh, this weekend. Definitely go and uh, check um, Mike out at those uh, social media outlets that he just mentioned. All right, we're gonna close this out here real quick. We do have some news and notes uh, to uh, get to, uh, some things that uh, took place uh, this weekend or this week here in IndyCar. Uh, first, let's uh, take a look at. Uh, you know, I, I talked about earlier there was some huge news coming out of the uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing camp, and it had to do with uh, rookie driver Christian Loongard. Uh, well, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing announced this week their new long-term agreement with the aforementioned Christian Loongard. Uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan Racing announced today uh, that the team has restructured a new long-term agreement with NTT IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year contender uh, Christian Lundgaard that will see the Danish driver continue to compete for the team in 2023 and beyond. Lundgaard has momentum on his side heading into the final three races of the season. Uh, He earned an IndyCar Best finish of second place at the Gallagher Grand Prix at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway back in July, and he also earned his highest start, of the third at of third place at the Music City Grand Prix in Nashville just a few weeks ago, uh, he also leads the NTT IndyCar Series Rookie of the Year standings with 272 points. Uh, following him is in second place David Malukas at 231. So uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing, and Christian Lungard have announced a new long-term agreement and speaking of contract extensions uh, it was announced uh, earlier this week as well courtesy of nathan brown over at the indianapolis star that elio castroneves will return for his second full season with meyer shank racing in 2023 As he hopped out of the car at the Iowa Speedway, having qualified 25th and 24th for the weekend doubleheader at the track he won during his last visit, Elio Castroneves was understandably prepped with questions about his future. The shine of his fourth Indianapolis 500 victory 14 months prior had worn off a bit and through a season of worth worth of races, 16 into his tenure with Meyer shank racing. He logged just five top tens. His new teammate, Simon Pagino had six with six less starts or six fewer starts than less. But uh, as he told uh, Nathan Brown earlier in the week that he is returning Elio Castroneves, for his second full season with Meyer Shank in 2023, and then one more uh, note here before uh, before we get out of here, uh, NTT IndyCar, the IndyCar series, is scheduled uh, to uh, release at the end of this month their schedule for 2000. In 23, and uh, just taking a first look here as we do uh, with the potent potential of the entries uh, for that uh, 2023 season, uh, AJ Foyt could have a potential three with Dalton Kellett, uh, JR Hildebrand uh, running six races and potential rookie, Benjamin Peterson, uh, Auto, uh, Andretti Autosports, uh, number 26, Colton Herda, number 27. That's already been announced. Kyle Kirkwood, uh, number 28, Roman Grosjean, uh, right now, Andretti Steinbrenner Autosports could be number 29, Delvin DeFrancesco. We'll see how that works out. And then, uh, potentially, uh, Andretti Herda Autosport with Marco Andretti, uh, running six races there. Uh, HR Aero McLaren SP oh, right now, it could, uh, looks like you got uh, Pato award in the number six, uh, potential Alexander Rossi or excuse me, Pato award in the number five, uh, Alexander Rossi in the number six, Alex Polo, number seven and Juan Pablo Montoya running between five and six races in the number 86. Uh, you got uh, chip Canassi racing, which could be, uh, a stable of number one, Tony Canon number eight, Marcus Erickson, number nine, Scott Dixon, number 10, which used to be the Alex Pillow, currently Alex Pillow, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray, and then uh, number 48, Jimmy Johnson. Uh, moving to Dale Corn Dale Coin Racing with HMD Auto Motorsports, uh, number eighteen David Malukas, number nineteen Lunas Lundquist, who would be a rookie from Indy Lights. Uh, Dale Coin Racing with Rick Ware, Ware Racing, number fifty-one Takuma Sato, uh, Dreyer Reinbold Racing for next year, uh, potentially number twenty-three Santino Ferrucci and number twenty-four Sage Karam and then uh, moving to Ed Carpenter Racing uh yet number 20, Connor Daly number 21, Renus VK and then potentially uh number 33 Ed Carpenter. Uh Junko Holl- Hollander Racing, it's been uh, rumored that they would do want to add another car. Well, it could be the number 67 entry of rookie Marcus Armstrong in 2023 and along with that obviously the number 77 with Callum Eilat. Uh, Meyer Shank racing, you're going to have the number six, Elio Castroneves and the number 60, Simon Pagino, Peretta Autosport. I know they've made a splash this year, uh, next year, number 16, again, uh, Simona D Silvestro. She, she may not be able, uh, we'll have to wait and see how that works out to run a full circuit. Uh, And then you got to two left, uh, Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing, uh, number 15, Graham Ray Hall, number 30, Christian Lungard, who we just talked about, uh, number 45, Jack Harvey. And then finishing up with Team Penske, uh, as usual, number two, Joseph Newgarden, number three, Scott McLaughlin, and number 12, Will Power. So uh, that does it for your news and notes. And not only does that do it for your news and notes, that does it here on uh, Push to Pass for episode number 12. Uh, If you would, if you have not already, make sure that you are following the Push to Pass podcast on the social media outlets that have been scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Uh, Also, to pay attention to those social media outlets this weekend as we will be covering uh, 360 degrees of the Bomberito Automotive Group 500 from Worldwide Technology Raceway. Remember, uh, everything kicks off uh, tomorrow which leads up to the green flag dropping Saturday evening. Uh, so uh, check out your local listings to where you can hear or watch the race. So with that, that does it for this episode. A huge thank you to uh, Christopher DeHarty uh, for joining us. Also, too, huge thank you, as always, uh, to Mike from uh, uh, Burnout Sports and Burnout Bets uh, for joining us as well. Please make sure that you uh, follow and like all of the content both of those individuals are putting out. For Derek Vance of the Push to Pass podcast, we will see you in the next video.